You're listening to Mental with Martini Mantha. Sit back, pour yourself a martini, and get ready to dive deep and get mental. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. Here's your host, Martini Mantha. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Mental with Martini Mantha. Very excited to have my first guest today, Ryan Rougely, a.k.a. Rouge. He is originally from Dallas, Texas, went to Stephen F. Austin to get his bachelor's in marketing, and then went on to get his real estate license. He recently moved to Houston just two years ago for a career change. He actually refers to himself as a mulatto, which we will get into that and kind of how that defined his life. So really excited to dive into his personal life and his upbringing. So give it up for Ryan Rougely. Hello, Ryan. How you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm fantastic. How do you feel about being my very first guest? I feel honored. You should. A little nervous, but um, I'm ready to deep dive and get mental. Dive deep? Yeah. Yeah, same thing. Same thing. <laughs> and what martini are we drinking right now? An espresso martini. You like it? I do like it. I made it myself. It tastes good. Yeah? I love coffee. <laughs> you did a good job. Thank you. I'm not a bartender, but I try. So let's get into this. You call yourself a mulatto. I do. What does that mean? So I'm glad you asked because a lot of people, that's my Instagram handle, a part of it. So it means somebody who grew up with a white and a black parent. And you like to identify as this because? It's my greatest strength. Why is it your greatest strength? I kind of grew up in two different worlds and it's my greatest strength because that taught me how to adapt and not judge somebody by what the media portrays them out to be or the color of the skin. And I believe that I give everybody an equal chance with their culture, who they are as a person. That's just my greatest dream because I'm kind of like a jack of all trades and I just know how to like blend in in any environment that I'm in. That's awesome. 100%. All right. So tell me a little bit about your childhood. It was interesting, a little troubling. It started off with my mom and my dad separated hear this out. It's kind of a crazy story. I kind of found out today talking to my dad. My dad and my mom, they were married and around four or five, they were having a rocky relationship. And what really was the last straw was when my mom started having a relationship with my dad's second cousin. Oh, okay. Talk about mental, right? Yeah, mental. <laughs> it gets a little bit crazy. I just found this out today. So my dad had just gone back to his apartment. He was doing a barbecue and picking up like those little tin foil trays. He had just turned the football game on and he heard somebody at the door, unlock the door like they had a key and it was Kelvin, his second cousin. Mm. And so my dad, he was like, who, who the F is at the door? Like he's getting ready to fight. And he saw that it was him and Kelvin was like, oh, well, he had to pick up some things and my dad played it cool. Nothing happened. But later that evening, my dad, Ricky, and my mom, Angie, talked about it. And he's like, I don't appreciate that you giving another guy a key to an apartment. He's like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And Angie kind of agreed and uh, said that they weren't heading in the right direction. So they kind of went their separate ways at that time. And if you know anything about custody issues when it comes to the kid. I really don't. The mother typically has the upper hand if they're married 
over the father. So what happened was my mom, she moved and I went with her and kind of disappeared and my dad didn't know where we were. So he couldn't find me. There was no contact. They kind of talked a little bit in between, but like she didn't tell him where they were going. And so that's kind of why my dad was absent for so long in my life. So I just found that out today. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wasn't that crazy? Second cousin. I mean, can you imagine if your wife is dating your cousin? Yeah. That's weird. Right? And this happened when you were around four or five years old? Mm-hmm. Okay, so then basically you kind of grew up with... A stepdad. A stepdad. That was my dad's cousin. Your dad's cousin. Yeah. And your mom. And so what was that like? Was that, you know, a good um, situation? Or you, do you even remember? No, I do remember. It wasn't as good as I thought as a kid. I think as a kid, everything seems normal. Everything seems great. You know, you're just living your life. The crazy thing is, is I always wanted siblings. Well, I have a sister, but she was born in Chicago, so she wasn't part of my life till later. So I was raised the only child. So when Kelvin moved in with us, he had just got out of a divorce with his previous wife and he brought his son Joshua and his sister Lee from California to Texas. Like I had a brother and sister for a few years. Everything seemed great. My stepdad had his own business, which I thought was cool. I was really good at school at the time. I was mm. I was a math kid. Like I was a, I was really good at math. Me like, too. I could just run off numbers like that. I think I got from my mom. She was an accountant. So. Oh, okay. So everything was great until something crazy happened. What was that crazy thing that happened? Yeah. So this is where things kind of change from my life for the better and for the worse. Things get mental? Yeah. So I got called to the office and all the students, you know how kids are. They're like, oh, you in trouble? Like, I didn't know what's going on. I was a bad kid, but I got into some trouble sometimes. I'm like, why am I getting called to the office? I get there and my grandmother was there. My uncle, my mom's oldest brother and Kelvin. And they told me that my mom had just, she was headed to work and she died in a car accident that morning. Oh, wow. Yeah. Basically, she didn't wear seatbelts because it was uncomfortable. Mm. Stupid. And it was a freak accident in the sense that she hit a nail or something and the tire blew and it caused the the car to tumble over. Wow. Yeah, I found out at uh, 10 years old. You lost your mom. Yeah, in a car accident of all things, yeah. How did that affect you as a kid? So looking back now, it affected me more than I thought. I mean, obviously I knew it affected me, but it affected me mentally. I was depressed for years. I had a lot of anxiety. It kind of stripped my sense of passion for life. Because then from there, I stopped getting good grades. And also since my dad, they separated, he wasn't there at the time. Another crazy story. My dad found out about my mom dying in the newspaper. Talk about a different era, right? He found out in the newspaper. The wow. reason why I think is because this is pre-cell phones. This is pre-Facebook. It's probably really hard to get a hold of somebody. Right. Um, and so I don't think they knew where he was to let him know. But I hold it against Kelvin. Kelvin knew where he was, but he never told him. So my dad found out in the newspaper mm. that his wife had passed. They never got divorced because my mom wanted custody of me and she didn't agree to a divorce. So then when you call your stepdad, he's not really officially your stepdad, but no. like basically. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So that happened. And then about a month later, I was at my grandmother's house, my mom's mom. I remember him pulling up and I guess everybody saw from the front window. They told me to go inside and that's how he came back into my life. And then I think from there, uh, he wanted custody of me. And long story short, the courts didn't grant him custody because he was in the army. And the army causes him to move around a lot. Yeah. And so they wanted more of a stable environment. Mm-hmm. And probably since him and my mom separated, probably didn't look as great. Not because he didn't want me, but because of their relationship. And so the courts granted my grandmother 
custody of me. Okay, so you were basically raised by your grandma then. Uh-huh. Grandma's born here. <laughs> Till this day, like to up until college and everything? Yeah, they gave full custody and I grew up with her. I moved officially in the following summer, uh, 2002. And that's where things changed dramatically. I went from going to a public school to going to a private school which is quite a change in itself from a lot of different reasons. I didn't like private school at first, honestly. I didn't like the curriculum. I didn't like wearing school uniforms. And then also from the standpoint of learning how to adapt with two grandparents. And it was just a challenge in a lot of ways. Like for one, funny story, my grandmother, she took me to go get a haircut. This right. is your, and she's white because yeah. your, your mom was yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so back then when I was a kid, it was a struggle adapting to a different demographic household, you know, with two white grandparents. They're older than me. My grandmother had remarried in 96, but she made up in age. So my granddad, my new dad, was like 70 plus. He like literally was born in the 1920s. Roaring 20s. Yeah, roaring 20s. He was old, no offense. It was kind of awkward for me being around him. There's a lot of things that I took time to adjust to. So back to the story. My grandmother took me to get a haircut. She took me to Supercut. Now, if you know anything about Supercut, they have a different demographic than the kind of hair that I'm used to getting. You got to go to a barber. Yeah, I got to go to a black barber in the hood. Like, she didn't know. They cut my hair. I, apparently, I didn't like it. And I told her, never again, Granny. I was like, you might not feel comfortable. I, I said something like, you got to take me to the hood. Let me pick the next place I go to a barbershop. So it was like little culturally things that she had to learn. I think my dad forewarned me. I'm glad that she's in life, but he felt that she shouldn't raise me because she didn't know how to raise a child that's a different race. So that was a challenge for him accepting that. Number one, it was a challenge for me and them. And I was going to private school and I was still dealing with the passing of my mother. And so was my grandmother. I didn't want to tell anybody about it. My way of coping, because I was young, I bottled it up. I wasn't open with it. I did have a child psychiatrist. Oh, wow. But I told my grandma, I don't think he knows what he's doing. All we do is play games. She told me later, yeah, that's what they have to do with kids. But I don't think I gave him a chance. I don't think I truly opened up to him. So like I had all these feelings inside of me for years. And one of the things my grandmother told me, un unbeknownst to me, was I used to go up to my room and like I would just cry. And I didn't think she heard me, but she actually did hear me. So like just little things like that, like I didn't really own what happened and um, and allow it to make me strong until like years later. I just bottled it all up inside. Um, I was probably depressed for years. I didn't realize until I got older, like I used to sleep a lot. I think that's one form of depression. Um, I was told that my dad left me. And so I felt abandoned, but I found out today, and I honestly truly believe him that what happened with his cousin, I mean, that would cause anybody to part ways. So who told you that he left you? Like your um, mom and I, your grandma? I believe my mom, my grandmother, because they didn't really know. Obviously, I'm really close to my grandmother, but I think because of what I heard, I didn't start to establish a true relationship with my dad until I got older. Even though the court issued me the second and the fourth weekends that I would go visit him, like a visitation. That's what I was going to ask. So is he yeah. still in your life? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's still, like I said, the past two to three years, we've had more heart-to-heart -heart discussions. I've started asking him more things. I think I've gotten more ready for them. But yeah, those weekends I would go over and I used to enjoy being around him. But at the same time, I don't think I truly trust him because of what I was told or we didn't have like a great relationship early on. But that lasted through... Middle school, high school, the visitation rights. But then I think the court costs, like my dad was still trying to get custody. It, it was too much money. And I told my dad that I wanted to live with my grandmother because I didn't want to hurt her feelings. I told my dad one time, I, hey, I want to live with you. And he started to get it in motion. 
and I backed out last minute, which I'm glad I did. Honestly. Yeah, that's a lot to go through, especially at yeah, that age. It is. It was tough. I didn't realize until I got older, reflecting on things and how it shaped me for the better or for the worse. But I'm truly happy the way it happened because that's why I embraced mulatto so much. Because growing up, part of my mental issue was I used to try to fit in in two different worlds, meaning like I used to try to fit in with my cousins, my uncle, like his kids. I used to look up to them. They had a maid, they had a mom, a dad, a house. They all were great athletes. They all went to amazing private schools. Like one of, one of my cousins went to Duke, one of them went to Furman. They had everything that I wanted and I used to try to be them. Right? I tried to act white or make myself fit in. But then on the flip side, because I went to private school, the way I was raised, I used to get fun of how I talked proper. They used to pick at me sometimes and I felt that- From the black I, community? Yeah, I feel like they honestly didn't always accept me because I wasn't black enough or I was light-skinned, I was a pretty boy, or I went to a private school, I was different. It was always a juggle trying to find my way and my footing. So you didn't feel accepted by basically either? Not really. That's difficult. Yeah, it was difficult. How did you get through that? Honestly, over time, I think I kind of rebelled a little bit, especially in college. I joined a fraternity and partied a lot. And I realized after those three years, that wasn't for me. And I grew up in the church. Another reason why I feel like I didn't fit in because I did things differently than what my grandmother wanted or what my uncle, I love them. He used to be a pastor, but like they don't drink, they don't do things that I like. And so I used to live a secret life or I used to hide things. I didn't know how to open up about who I was. But as I got older, especially during this time, 2020 has been a shit show. I've realized that when I'm my genuine self, people love me for who I am. I'm a easygoing guy. One of my greatest dreams, I, I don't cause drama to anybody. I can adapt. I don't judge a book by its cover. And so over time, I've realized I don't have to try to fit in anywhere. I could just be me and be comfortable with my own skin. I, I think as I got older, I've started to realize that more. Was there ever like a significant point where you had this realization or did anything happen or? Yeah, I guess there was. Actually, last year, it happened for the first time ever. It happened at Howl at the Moon. For those that don't know, it's like a dueling piano bar. It's awesome. Yeah, but for the first time in my life, I got called a nigger. Long story short, he was in the wrong, but long story short, I just met a girl and we were talking and this white person had too much to drink and he was trying to get up all in my space. I wasn't having it and she wasn't really having it either, but he just kept circling around like a shark. After 30 minutes, I said something to him. I was like, you need to go home or you something. Cause she asked me to, he was like, oh, you're just being a nigger, da 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 da. And honestly, I looked at him. Thankfully, I didn't fight him. I was gonna say, I don't know how I didn't, whoop his ass but it was a little confrontation i think we shoved each other and security came by and i told him what happened and i think he went to the bar left and i cooled off but i know how to box i'm undefeated in a box in case you didn't know so i still don't know how i kept my composure and kept my cool i didn't know you were a boxer yeah I, <laughs> a self-proclaimed boxer i did one boxing match it's one of the highlights of my life or one of the craziest things i've done i did an actual boxing match three rounds a minute and i ended up winning it so I have a belt to prove and I have a full video. Wow, look at you. You don't want to catch these hands. <laughs> Do you feel like boxing is kind of what helped you some kind of outlet to manage any emotions or anger, or, you know, stuff from your um, past? Possibly. Boxing was a really good workout. It was a really good stress reliever. I think growing up, I didn't have an outlet because number one, I didn't speak about my emotions. Number two, I kept the aggression inside. A lot of people when they're going through a traumatic time, they have an outlet through sports. I don't think growing up, I let myself 
naturally express what I was feeling. Why do you think that is? I think, found out a little bit more about my mom. I believe that number one, her household that she grew up was a different household than today's standards. White and black wasn't as socially accepted. Her dad, I know for a fact, he was a racist or he had prejudices against Hispanics, black people. And I think growing up in the household, it triggered down to their way of thinking. I think my mom, she kind of rebelled early on, lived like a strict life. They wanted her to like live a very straight and narrow path, which I totally applaud them for. Biggest Christians that I know. But I think they put a lot of pressure on all the kids. And so what happened, she rebelled. She was like, I'm going to live my life my way. I think that's why she started dating black guys. And so early on, she lived a secret life, meaning she didn't tell many people about her dating Kelvin. I think because she wasn't proud of it. We didn't always go to all of her family's holiday dinners or celebrations. And she used to tell me, don't tell Diane that I'm living with Kelvin. Diane is my grandmother. And so I think that secret life affected me. And so I think that's why when I moved in with my grandma, I didn't really truly trust her because I was told, don't tell her this. Don't do this. So you followed in her footsteps of having yeah, your like own Yeah, like I pick up on life. that energy. Like yeah. I, I think we're a product of our environment and our parents. We totally are. Right. And I think it takes years, sometimes a lot longer than others into your adulthood. Once you live life a little to start to realize who you are and start living your path, not your parents' path or not the environment that you grew up in. Mm -hmm. I think that's why today at 29 years of age, it took me a little longer that I'm comfortable with him. Like I don't try to fit in anymore. That's good. Because I don't have to. That's good. And I think that's what everyone kind of battles is figuring out how to fit in or wanting to fit in. And you get to that point where you're just like, I got I to gotta be myself. Mm -hmm. But back to that story that we were talking about, we kind of got away from the um, How at the Moon story. That was a pinpoint change for you? I think so. So since I went to a private school, I grew up in a mostly white environment. And I feel like I didn't fit the black community because I wasn't around them enough. Or I was around them, but it was a different type of black crowd going to private school, living in the Highland Park, which if you know Dallas, that's like the heights of Houston. So I wasn't around a certain type of black people that accepted me. And I think when I got caught that, I was like, I am who I am. And the funny thing is my cousins growing up middle school and high school, one of the things that used to bother me is we would have like dinners and lunches and they were trying to get to know me. And if you look at any holiday pictures, I stick out. So they used to ask me things like, well, why don't you embrace your white side? Or why do black people act this type of way? I don't think they had ill intent. They were just trying to get to know me better or trying to understand a different culture. But I took it the wrong way. And I didn't know how to answer these things at a young age. And the funny thing is, they knew I was black the whole time, but I didn't realize it. And it's not about picking sides. I think for me, I am who I am, but I... Embrace more, I guess, the black side because I think the world naturally sees me that way. So they kind of make me pick a side. Even it's weird that want you to. have to pick a side. Even though I don't want to, which I don't, but it's important, especially this year. I think society portrays minorities in a certain light that is wrong and unjust, in my opinion. I completely agree. Yeah. So I think that's why we have all this upheaval, which hopefully it would turn into good when time would tell. So I think me being called that made me more comfortable. With being yourself. Yeah, which is weird to me. I wonder why that is. I, I can't explain Maybe it. just something clicked in your brain to where Maybe. you were like... It is who I am. Did you develop any coping mechanisms along the way that you could yeah. talk about? Or for anybody else that maybe is in the exact same position as you that's struggling that you can talk on? Yeah. Growing up, when all that happened, my mom passed, I was introduced to pornography at a young age. Oh. Yeah, so that followed me for 
10 plus years early on. That was my first. And then as I got older and became a senior in high school, I went to my first party and had my first taste of alcohol. And then I went to college and that became one for three to four years. Okay. These are like bad things that I think people turn to. Yeah. So some positive ones that I've discovered or started using in replace of negative ones was running, working out. I used to be big into CrossFit. And then recently I mentioned previous was boxing. Boxing is a really good workout. So it turned from negative, which I tried my best to use healthy mechanism. Um, yeah. But sometimes I stray back to negative ones, but I do my best. Okay. Well, I mean, that's honest and real. So appreciate it. Let's go to a different question. If you could go back and like talk to yourself, your younger self during that time, is there anything you would say? Is there any like advice you would give yourself of like how to push through? Just be you. When you're your genuine self, the world would generally love who you are. Also, I would tell myself to be more open and transparent. Don't bottle things in, no matter what you're going through. Just, just being on this podcast is helping me even more, just talking these oh, things good. through. So I think when you can't find somebody you can trust, it's hard to have a difficult conversation. and It's hard to open up to somebody. And so I would tell myself, hey, look, you went through something traumatic, but once you start to unravel these things, start to talk to your dad more and, and start to, to speak up about, like you will start the, the natural coping mechanism and... Um, I didn't realize that until I got older. So I completely agree. And like, that's kind of what I talked about in my last episode is that we try so hard to just deal with all this stuff on our own. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, that's not going to save us, you know? Right. So I agree. I think talking about it is a huge thing. So mm -hmm. I admire you for coming on here and talking about <laughs> this. I'm sure it wasn't easy or it isn't uh, easy, but I appreciate hearing about it. Yeah. Absolutely. What are things like for you today in regards to your family and daily life? Okay. Yeah. Me and my grandmother, we're like two peas in a pod. She's my rock. I've learned to trust her and we talk about everything. So we have a great relationship. I have a great relationship with my uncle, which he lived about 10 minutes down the road from my grandmother. And we, me and my grandma worked in the family business. So he kind of stepped in the role as a father figure in, in some ways from an, an outsider. Um, he taught me like good work ethic and taught me a lot of things about becoming a man. So I have a good relationship with him and his kids. That's four of them. We're like brothers and sisters. Love them to death. Me and my dad mentioned earlier that the past two to three years, we've had these conversations that we've mm -hmm. had. That's so, good. Yeah. I feel like our relationship is getting better. And funny thing is, not funny, but more a serious note. So I called him before. It was the reason I was a little late. He was late, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wanted okay. some feedback. I was like, hey, I'm doing this podcast. I've wanted to have a deep conversation with them for years, but this podcast made me take action. And so I was like, hey, you have any feedback? I want to hear what actually happened between you and Angie. We talked about it. You know, I told you that story. And for the first time, I was like, thank you, Dad. And I don't think I've ever said this on the phone. I was like, I love you. You never said I love you over the phone to him? I don't remember. It kind of hit me. Yeah. So you'll never were like saying I love you to each other no. growing up? My grandmother did all the affectionate stuff. He... Yeah, you know how guys are sometimes. Yeah. So, so how did that make you feel then? Just saying pretty good. That. Just to hear his viewpoint. I feel like that was a conversation that needed to be had. And I think it brought us closer. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. What would you say to, especially with everything that's been going on in 2020 with this particular race issue, what would you say to people who are not in your situation or don't know anything about you know, what you're going through or even can relate at all. What would you say to them to open their minds or give them perspective to see your point of view or 
you know. Okay, well, the Black Lives Matter point yeah. of view. In regards to that, I would say, and this is the number one theme in the Bible, and you know, not getting all religious, but to love your neighbors, love them for who they are, not by the content of their appearance. I think that's important. Just positivity and love. I would also say have a willing heart to listen to a different viewpoint or a different perspective than what you grew up in. I think a lot of people, they get stuck in their ways, whether it's their parents or their environment or both. And that could teach some negative perception of someone who doesn't look like them, someone who's not a part of the culture, someone who didn't go to the same high school, grew up in the same neighborhood. And so then I think that turns into, I'm not willing to let this person in. I've heard too many lies about this or that. So I think it's important to not judge somebody by what the media portrays. And I think it's also important to have an open heart and open mind to what black lives truly matter. Because I love my grandmother, but I get it. She's from a different era and she truly doesn't, I don't think, understand what that's about. Which, I think a lot of people don't. Yeah, which she was born in 43. So you do the math. She's 77. So do I still love her? Yes. But this year, especially, I've never really gotten into politics, but this year kind of forced you to if you weren't, if you never voted or whatever. Yeah, I feel like um, it's forced a lot of people right. <laughs> to get into it. Which is a good thing. Go vote. That's another thing. But I think because there's been a little, for the first time, I think divisive between our viewpoints about what's really going on. I feel it because that's all she's been talking about. So just have an open heart, which is tough as you get older. Be willing to listen. And don't always believe what the media portrays what something looks like. Fake news. Yeah, fake news. <laughs> Top three in my mind. So go straight to the source. Yeah, I agree. Anyways. Well, I appreciate you being open about all this. Mm -hmm. You spoke a little bit about your religion and being Christian. Is there anything more you want to talk about that at all? Is that like what helped you through a lot of it? Or Yeah, I think at the time when my mom passed, I needed a nurturing household. I think it was a good thing that I went to a private school because when I was younger, I used to be a follower. So I'm afraid... And I think this is a day that my dad grew up in Mesquite, which if you know Dallas is, it's like first class, middle class environment. My dad remarried and she had a previous son. So I kind of had like a brother over there. He kind of went down the wrong path. And I'm afraid that if I chose to live over there, that at the time I would have rebelled earlier, maybe for the worst. I would have probably hung out with the wrong crew, trying to fit in somewhere. I would have followed in somebody else's footsteps, not navigating my own path. So I think... Me growing up in a nurturing household, being a Christian, I think I had boundaries in place that kept me morally on the right path, which I needed. And my grandmother's super affectionate. And when I was younger, my mom didn't give me a lot of hugs. And so when I moved to my grandmother, I used to hate hugs. And so I think that because she's such a strong Christian, has such a loving personality that influenced morally who I am today. And my uncle was a pastor. So we used to go to his yeah. church a lot. So, okay. um, yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. All right. Wrapping this up with That's one... Final question is, what is the last thing that you want to say to our listeners about you, about your story, about what you've learned? Final thoughts. Shoot. Love and peace. <laughs> love and peace. Sometimes I'm short and simple. Um, I, short and simple. Yeah. I think love is the most important thing this day, especially somebody who's different than you. I think if you generally care about people and love them, everything else will work itself out. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, that is a great way to end this. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah. yeah. Have you enjoyed your pleasure. martini? Yeah. This is my second glass. So, yeah. Yeah. I have. It's pretty good. It is good. So. All right. Well, thank you very much for being on here. Um, any final thoughts? Love and peace. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. And go vote. And yes. Go vote. Go vote. All right.
All right. Huge shout out to Rouge for being an amazing first guest. I think his story is a really important one. So I admire him for having the courage to be open and vulnerable. As I said in my previous podcast, which if you haven't listened to it, please go back and listen to it. You'll hear all about my story and my goal for this. But as I said, I'm really hoping for this to be an outlet for people to be open. So definitely admire Rouge sharing his journey, which is truly the destination. My next guest slash topic slash martini will be a surprise, but if you have a topic you'd like discussed, want to be a guest, or just have some awesome martini ideas for me, email me at martinimantha at gmail.com or DM me on my Instagram, martinimantha. And as always, peace, love, and martinis. Martini Mantha signing off. Mm-hmm.